This podcast is brought to you by Cash App, the easiest way to send, spend, save, and invest. Cash App helps you connect effortlessly with your finances and with your people. And if you ask me, that's money, bro. So in the spirit of things that are money, here's how DJ Them Jeans stays connected with his people. Cash App helps me connect effortlessly with my finances as well as my fiance. So yesterday, she gave me a ride to the Sweet Green event at the Flamingo Estates. As we're beginning to move our lives together, both uh, in love and as well as fiscally, um, we have a shared credit card. So, you know, it can get a little tricky with who gets the Delta points yeah. on the Lyft account because, you know, that is a nice little kicker. Mm-hmm. So, you know, just to make sure it's not messy and just make sure it's kind of clean, uh, you know, at the end of the month for our financial advisors mm-hmm. or just use Cash App. So. She'll give me a ride, and depending on how bad this, the car smells and, you know, little things like that, like, I kind of like a fast driver, and she'll go a little slow in the turns, and mm-hmm. that's how you kind of go from a, a, a four-star to a three-star ride, mm-hmm. and that's how you kind of go from a, a $10 cash up to a $5, but this is how we learn. No, no, for sure, for sure. Whether you're sharing a perfect day with your, uh, your fiancé, sending, spending, saving, investing, splitting, tipping, donating... And gifting, the number one finance app in the App Store is Cash App. That is fucking money as hell, bro. Download Cash App in the App Store or Google Play today. Add your cash tag to the 80 million and counting. It's for you. It's not for me. How long gone? Uh, it's a beautiful, sunny Tuesday afternoon here in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, ready to tap in with Big TJ. How are you? Oh, I'm great. I did a little... My, my knees got a little cuckoo. I was doing some tennis drills, and I was a little too big for my britches, so I had a little uh-huh. little soreness, so I was doing some sledding oh. to get my uh, all my tendons back where they should be tendon to. Okay, good. good. And I feel great. I didn't realize... I, I forgot the tendons are named because they're tendon to the muscles and the bones around them. A lot of people do. A lot of people forget that, but yeah. I actually just got off the court. I have met a new pro here in Atlanta. His name is Ross. He looks like he was out of tennis central casting mm-hmm. he wore me the fuck out jason mm-hmm. couldn't have had more fun i did it yesterday i'm gonna do it tomorrow so i'm doing two days i found a, a personal trainer um as well who's a big disc golf player which i'm gonna let Oof. slide i love disc golf i know you do i was thinking about that of course because i'll do a quick 18 you know he's a university of georgia graduate you can imagine <laughs> the voice i'll do a quick 18 <laughs> on the weekends yeah 40 minutes man if you're out there alone but so I've locked into my fitness routine. I found my people here mm-hmm. in in Atlanta, so I'm feeling centered. How how would what what are some common threads for for your people for your Chris Black folk? Oh, they just they accept my Venmos for teaching me something that pertains to my body. Okay, that's really the only. It doesn't really. I don't really care about any of the other stuff. Okay, so when you say I've found my people, you mean my employees? I mean my fitness professionals that I'm able to build with for a small fee. And uh, and you're more than happy to pay their fee. Yeah, I love paying the fee. I mean, I just it's just you know I was I was with my my friend Farshid because we he introduced me to the pro and he was like I'm like do you ever hit with like your friends? He's like no. And I'm like what? Why not? He's like what's the point? Like, I'm not going to get better. I'm just going to run around and chase fucking balls all day and watch some guy try to serve. It's a waste of my time. I'm going to hit with the He hits with a pro six days a week. Damn. I mean, uh, <laughs> your your friend has a point, and it is definitely a luxury um, 
in LA and New York and other other cities, but maybe down in Georgia, like one could afford to do that without being a multimillionaire, right? Yeah, yeah, you can. Yeah, you can. I mean, it's 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 much more reasonable. Obviously, your man is paper papered up, of course, that, and it is a little bit of that's true. That is true. But yeah, there's yeah. also a, a thing that I've noticed, and I've I've talked to other people about it. Um, actually, our friend Sam Macon, who we play tennis with, he said he was just in Wisconsin, and he found like the local kind of central casting tennis pro. And everyone says the same thing, you know, just like I, I hit them up and, you know, hit them up, whatever it is. And they fucking wore me out for two hours, bro. Best thing in my life. And it has, there is a little bit of an an interesting energy. There always has been with the tennis pro or the tennis coach and like the rich guy of like, I want you to put the spurs to me. I want you to mm-hmm. smear my guts across this clay court i want Mm -hmm. so there's a little bit of you know we were talking who are we talking to about billions we were talking to ghetto gastro about yeah my man from billions who likes to get stepped upon yeah that's me uh in some type of you know like people who are in a position of wealth and power want to maybe be dominated by a young 19 year old Mm -hmm. you know strapping co-ed college player and there might be a little bit of cuckold flavor in that mix. I'm obviously not saying that you're one of those people. Not me. No, not me. Well, you're for, an athlete. For, to be fair, Other these, people do it for more sinister reasons, perhaps. These guys are probably closer to, to our age than college age. Mm-hmm. But they did play in college, which sets them apart from us physically. Uh, and also, you know, their tennis IQ is incredibly high, much like my regular IQ. Of course. But regardless, he whooped your ass. Yeah, of course. Easily. Yeah, yeah, of course. And yeah. he probably wasn't even playing at full speed. Oh, no, no. He was uh, he was playing at 10%. He was sweating, but that's just because it was a little warmer. Sure. Um, so that, you know, I'll, t- I'll take it. It's a climate but crisis I, issue. It has nothing to do with Bryce or whatever his name was. I just feel crazy. Um, but I'm glad to be here podcasting um, with you uh, because... There's a, you know, Pitchfork put out this list of the best songs of the 90s. Uh, um, uh, a decade near and dear to your heart. The only decade that matters musically, 250 songs. There's definitely not 250 good songs maybe ever. So that's a little <laughs> Total tough. in the history of music. And they've got some, you know, like Brimful of Asha <laughs> by Corner Shop, which I love. 230? I think it could be a little higher than that, personally. I don't want to get stuck on that, though, because... I think Corner Shop is just glad to be on the list at all. That's true, but I'm I'm kind of speaking up for them. I, I, I'm a voice for the voiceless. Pulp Common People, 18? I think it's a little higher than that. How how is pulp going to be lower on the list than fucking mob deep? Give me a break. I think pulp. I think I think common people being an 18 of all time in the 90s is remarkably higher than I would have expected it to be. Obviously, I love that song. It's a it's a great song and it was a hit, but it was definitely not like a song that most people in America ever caught wind of. No, no, no. You know what I mean? But the the top 4 or I think what's going to really interest you, uh, DJ Them Jeans, and as well as me, mm. Liz Fair fucking run number four, which is making okay. me feel very good. Unfortunately, Aaliyah, are you that somebody at number three? So well, how come all the hip hop and R and B is unfortunate and bad, and then and then the uh, the boring indie white people rock? Because like good. most people, I only care about the things that speak to my taste, and other people can pretend <laughs> to do the, uh, something. No, the obviously, are you that somebody's a fucking classic? The only the issue, my actual issue, is that it's 
It's from the Dr. Doolittle soundtrack. <laughs> so the cover art has like Dr. Doolittle at the bottom, which kind of cheapens the song because it really is a classic and it definitely should be ahead of Liz Fair. And that is a very, isn't that a very 90s thing to do? There's yeah. so many amazing songs that appear, you know, like whether there's like the, uh, the Chili Peppers, Conehead soundtrack. Oh, yeah. Thank God we have a musical guest on today's episode and we can just run down that. But we can get sorry, into number it. Two, but number two, two Bjork Hyper Ballad. Number two of all time. I mean, I guess that's the number two Bjork song of all time. I don't know if the number two song of all music. But I want you to, I want to understand that. I want you to, uh, for reference, number one is Mariah Carey Fantasy Remix featuring Old Dirty Bastard, which is a giant song. So the fact that a Bjork song that is good and was obviously relatively big for Bjork is number two. And then Mariah Carey Fantasy Remix featuring Old Dirty Bastard, which was like a massive pop crossover hit. Mm-hmm. I think this is going to get some of these indie tongues wagon over there at at you know the pitchfork.com. Well, it, since it is a pitchfork, they did have to throw in some of that mm-hmm. pitchfork bait. And if you are an avid pitchfork mm-hmm. reader, mm-hmm. you know, if you're the one of the 11 people left who is doing that, I mean, obviously, pitchfork still does amazing work. Um, but you know, ain't, ain't the same as what it used to be. But you, you kind of have to fill in those more esoteric indie artists, and not just the biggest best songs of. Them. And it was cool that they put in the Mariah Carey at all. I think. I mean, the only reason any of these lists exist, and not like a tortoise B side. Yeah, yeah, we got a tortoise seven inch on the list. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the only reason, I mean, the only good part about the list existing is that it will make people argue, which is one of my. Obviously, that's what the internet is for. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, we could you could you could name four of those two hundred fifty songs, and I can do an hour long podcast about it. It's no, just, easily, it's easily. Manna yeah, from that's heaven called, for a chatter. That's called Bandsplain over there at the Ringer Network. They've already got some kind of covering that. <laughs> Shout out to Bandsplain over at the Ringer Network. Over at the Ringer Network. Um, Bill Simmons, come on the pod, you coward. Bill Simmons, put down. Put yeah, yeah. Bill Simmons, you're a pussy. Um, we've said that from day one. If you want, we're talking to real radio guys on this podcast. We ain't talking to these little podcasters. You know what I'm saying? It's a little different over here. We talk about real stuff, not how my socks are doing. You know what I mean? And I'm not talking about the Uniqlo's. I'm talking about the, at the hell, yeah. I'm talking about the red or the white. <laughs> I'm not talking. Uh, uh, but I wanted to, um, also discuss, uh, the, the Rihanna Super Bowl. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, the big announcement. Um, which I, I it it leads me to believe that she must have new music coming. How does DJ Them Jeans kind of feel about this? Because I think Rihanna is unfortunately musically over the hill unless she really taps in with some goats. <laughs> taps in with some goats. Uh, I'm afraid I might agree. I mean, she is in mommy mode. Mm. I think that she's a, as big of a legacy artist um, as she needs to be to be able to perform the Super Bowl without there needing to be like a, a musical release on the horizon that she needs to promote. I think she's in that space where Lady Gaga is and some, you know, Beyonce, other superstars where they don't ever need to release another song for the rest of their life and they can truly do whatever yeah, they want. Yeah. She can make a fucking uh, black metal album and people will still listen to it. She's just in that rarefied air. And I just want Rihanna to run through her fucking classics do a couple surprises mm-hmm. friend of the show frog dances white girls he, he tweeted he she should just do james joint it's a very short song and it's just her <laughs> saying i'd i'd rather be smoking weed over and over again you know it's like 54 seconds but if she did that wouldn't that be something special i'd rather see that than fucking you know eminem doing a, a in a fake 64 impala hitting the switches <laughs> you know what i mean not eminem slamming it like he's on the fucking 
you know, Ghost Protocol minor, <laughs> Minority Report stream. That was rough. Like he's uh, Zane Lowe on the boards over at Apple that Music was, or that something. That was rough, yeah. Hitting a bunch of buttons that don't do nothing. You know those buttons don't do shit. Um, I agree with you. I think it'll probably... I've seen Rihanna uh, live in concert, actually, at the uh, at Barclays Arena. I was very close, and I loved her performance, but it's a little lazy. That's kind of her swag. Mm-hmm. You, you know what I mean? Which I like. Yeah, she comes onto the stage with a half-eaten mango in her hand. <laughs> yeah, fucking she's smoking. Mango swisher in the other hand. And she's just like, all right, let's do it. Yeah, that's and when she. But it's amazing because she's authentically herself. So it's just like yeah, but Rihanna could just be like, hey, I'm going to do a, a, some Toad the Wet Sprocket covers tonight. Well, and I'm be like, yes. Don't start speaking my, yes, don't yes. Start speaking my language. We do have a guest today. Uh, I'm gonna. We're going to find out what he thinks about Toad and the Wet Sprocket. Um, superstar DJ Zane Lowe, you know him from his infamous BBC Radio One show from 2003 to 2015, Radio One. and uh, now he is the Apple creative director of the worldwide music station Apple Music One, where he's got another show. Uh, he is from New Zealand, um, so we will of course get into that. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it's it's nice to have a professional, and, and him and Jason are going to kind of go go back and forth on on you know what the Q button is really for. Wonderful. And then you and him can go on about, you know, someone's process in the booth. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Can't wait to tune in with Zane. Let's give him a zing a zingle. <laughs> <laughs> I like I like zingle a lot. That's cool. We've got our terms and conditions on how we communicate as people. We can begin. Yeah, this is this is us asking for consent and you doing the same. And I'm glad that we were able to kind of figure that out before we got started. Uh, are you are you coming to us live from the Apple One Studios in beautiful Culver City? We are indeed. Well, I am. We, I, yes, I'm in the Apple One Studio A here in Culver City. Mm-hmm. Uh, in our first sort of like this is the first kind of Apple designed radio studios that we got to move into after our kind of hurried and hectic beginning how, how what's your destroyer order if you don't mind me asking zane <laughs> very good that's <laughs> some inside baseball right there uh oh you know i hit him with an oat milk flat white got to get my flatty in um flatty gotta get a flatty in <laughs> gotta get my flatty just in. Taste bitter. Okay. gotta get a flatty in uh, <laughs> might get a little avo on some uh belt bread with some seed action oh yeah mm. that bread is dank isn't it Full of seeds. It's a lot. There's a lot of seeds. Not the most, not the seediest bread I've ever eaten in my life. Um, that was almost unedible. Wow. Okay. Shots fired. So you're saying there's some bread that has more seeds that you've had. But it doesn't necessarily mean it's better, Chris. Okay. Exactly. No. I mean, shots not fired because I actually found that the, <laughs> that, that, that the seed to bread ratio on the seediest bread I've ever eaten was just unedible. At a certain point, there's only so much the loaf can take. And this is sort of the style of conversation that we're going to be doing today, Zane. You ready for it? There's <laughs> only so much a loaf can take. And I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna attack if you're gonna attack a loaf that's really heavy in the seed to yeast count then in order to mask the overwhelming texture of seeds which are fine if they're in a hand and loose because you can adjust them in your mouth accordingly oh. but if they're gonna if they're gonna be in a pre-designed framework architecturally designed seeded bread then you need a, a spread of ex exceptional strength i mean you're talking about like an original like australian marmite or a vegemite that's going to be able okay to take that, all right calm down i knew i knew you were okay we know that we know that new zealand and australia <laughs> are in your pockets as always and they've sent you here to kind of infiltrate our country 
Um, you <laughs> you started first with England. You kind of did your thing there, and they're like, "Okay, it's time for your final mission. You're going to you're going to Los Angeles." Me, it's, Celeste Baba. Who else? There's, uh, you, a, there's, there's a lot of you. Kevin Parker. Yeah. Oh, Parker. Kevin Parker. Parker's already done too much. Tyker, man. Tyker is definitely um, he's definitely doing the government's work. So what is the what is the what is the different? Now I'm not as educated as you guys, of course. Uh, but what is the difference between? Now is is marmite? Is that just the non-vegetarian version, or is that just a different flavor altogether? Gosh, darn it! You asked me the question. I have no answer for. I I don't I don't actually have never known. It's something that, that you really should sort of get taught in your your, your kindergarten years at, at at preschool. But I I don't know the difference. I know that I prefer Vegemite over marmite, and I couldn't okay. even. Good man. Okay. Good man. Well, Chris, I got it for you. Marmite has a burnt brown color, sticky consistency similar to syrup. Vegemite, on the other hand, is a black paste that's more thick, like peanut butter. Okay, yeah. so it's similar flavor. Yeah, though. it sounds like the same shit to me. Yeah, it sounds like it's a it's a personal personal preference on spreadability is what it sounds like. Careful, to me. careful. If you guys want to go down and do your pod tour down down under, which is quite a burgeoning market for live conversation, you need to be careful about how many. It's funny. It's funny. Vegemite. It's funny that you say that. We've <laughs> been we've been approached by some promoters in the motherland and. Do it. I'm. I would like to. I don't know if there's any way for us to not lose money. Uh, just kind of based on my flight requirements alone. Um, but maybe. <laughs> you turn, oh, oh, so you turn left? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So ma- well, you know, Chris has a certain standard of living that he has to sort of abide by now, and we ran the numbers on how many tickets we can sell versus how much first class travel costs. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. it's it not really adding up. It's at not this great. Point, just quite yet. Zane, don't pull bullshit. Like you've. When's the last time you flew coach, Big Dog? Let's be honest. Are you talking to Jason? Are you talking to me? <laughs> no, I'm talking. I, I know when Jason flew coach. It's the last time he was on a plane. I'm talking to you. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> I love the idea. I love the idea of Jason rolling up to your house sometime, Chris, and going, "Do we do the same pod?" Yeah, I mean <laughs> like- <laughs> that that is my dream. Unfor- unfortunately, I'm a really great boss, and I kind of you know I'm I'm really about employees' rights. And Jason has formed a one man union, which is kind of fucking me right now. But I have to kind of I have to let it I have to let it go because you know I want him to show up for work. I think it's when, it's a one, when it's a one-person union, it's just a tantrum, isn't it? That that's, yes, that's what I, that's what I would <laughs> yeah, say. Yeah, it's pretty much just me. I'm, I'm uh, yelling into a megaphone saying, "Stand, stand tall, brother." Not brothers. It's just, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just, just me. brother, singular brother. <laughs> now, Zane, um, I want to before we dig too deep into this <laughs> this wonderful convo. Yeah, I was doing a little uh, research on you know, like surely you've done you know zillions of interviews over the years. Video, audio, podcast, all that. And I was looking up, trying to see what podcast you've done where you were the guest. Have we ever spoken when you're like, as in your other life? Do we ever talk about them gene stuff? I don't think so. I mean, we may, I, I used to I don't think so. have a little. I've definitely played your music. Oh, thank you, Zane. Um, I, I do, I do have a little bit of a history in the, I have a history in the Radio One Beats. Beats World. Okay. I was a co-host on a show with the Fat Jew. Remember him? Yes, we. St- that was a man. That was a. That's a day one up. That was a day one experience. That's right. Mm-hmm. And um. And Adam is 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 his manager, right? Adam. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. He's done well. But, um, man, holy I, shit! I, I, unfortunately, yeah, he did. He did quite well. But I had to hang out with Ebro instead of you. Yeah, I know. Sorry about that. Um, oh, but no. um, <laughs> uh, it's all no, good. It, it's all good. It was a great show. But we'll we'll get more more on that later. <laughs> but. The the point I was trying to make is I I didn't really find any <laughs> podcast where you were a guest being interviewed. I found one podcast where you did um, Jesse Ware and her mom. They do a, a podcast. Uh, it's sort of food related and it's it's a lovely show. Um, 
that I've heard before, but you were a guest on that show. I'm like, oh, great. They're going to interview Zane. They're going to bust his balls. It's going to be some good British humor. And it was just you interviewing them on their own podcast. So yeah. have you ever done a podcast where you no, were the there's, guest? There's two ways you can look at this really poignant observation. Um, one is is that you have an exclusive right here. Mm-hmm. The second one is that, the second one is, is, is that when it comes to crossing the threshold into pod world, I have been consistently told, sorry, mate, you're not on the fucking list. Wow. Your name's not Dan, you're not coming in. Exactly. So you can look at it, you can look at it either way, but um I don't know. I had a roundabout entry into the podcasting because, in a way, I, I was doing podcasts for fucking years, mm-hmm. and just they just weren't called podcasts. And then by the time everybody found a way into podcasts, I think people probably thought that like, why would we talk to a guy who talks to people? Mm-hmm. <laughs> sure, sure. Either that, or I'm just not likable. No, I mean, well, I was talking to Chris before the show, and I was I, I pointed out that observation. And I was like, are we going to eat? We're either, it's, it's win-win for us. We're either going to be interviewed by Zane Lowe on our own podcast, which is, you know, a wonderful feather in mm-hmm. the cap, or we get to be, in my knowledge, the first people to interview Zane Lowe on a podcast, mm-hmm. which is an equally great feather in the cap. I've done, the truth is, I've done a couple others. I did a Gary V one because Gary talked to anybody. Uh, <laughs> and I've, ta- and I've <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Gary's been very kind to me. And then I did a Phil Keegan one. Phil is the is the creator and host of the Amazing Race. Oh, okay. And uh, so I, I may have only been on sort of three podcasts that I can think of to date. But if you think about Jesse Ware and her mum, Gary Vaynerchuk and Phil Keegan, I'm <laughs> pretty flossy in it. Yeah, you know what I mean, you're you're touching a lot of bases, <laughs> and they're very far away from each other. I mean, yeah, I mean Gary. Yeah. Be- I mean, obviously, Gary Vee's a douchebag. Your, not your words, our words. But if he calls me and says, come do my podcast, I'll be like, hell yeah, this is going to be awesome. Yeah, well, that's the great two-faced side of show business. I mean, you know, once you realize that it's okay to use it, you got to use it. It's how it goes, right? It's like, man, I fucking hate that guy. And then you meet him at a party and you're like, big fan, big fan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so you've met Chris. This is, yeah, that's my whole thing. Um, so I, I've, I've come around on a few people because actually uh, we had... Um, we had the 1975 on the show, and I've been kind of an adamant anti-Jack Antonoff kind of leader of the movement. He really rubs some people up, huh? It's interesting when you mention. Well, Jack no, not his, not his, not not him as a as a person. No, I'm but sure as he's a producer, a nice guy. I as just, a producer, that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah he's yeah. he's ruined some he's ruined some careers of people I quite like, you know. So I'm just a little I'm a little <laughs> up in arms about it. But then the guys from 1975 were like, "No, bro, you would love this guy. You know, you need to build with him." So now I think it's time for me to kind of cross the bridge and invite Jack onto how long gone to see if we can squash it. That's what podcasting is all about. It know? is. Mm-hmm. It is. It is. You, 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 what you do is you create an imaginary beef and then you <laughs> exactly. create an imagine an imaginary solution. Exactly. That's always we- Chris is down to explore growth emotionally as a person, as long as we could sell more ads against that. You That's know what right. I mean? Yeah. Dude, I'll do the work. <laughs> You got to keep turning left, and if you want to keep turning left, you have to sell the ads. Yeah. That's how it goes. Well, actually, that reminds me of, of a subject I also wanted to talk to you about. Um, you know, and you said that you, the podcast world, for whatever reason, is not as interested in you as you you think they are. Did I say that? <laughs> well, well, you, you said, what do you say, like the podcast world doesn't want me or something I like said that? that. I, I, I yeah, no, no, exactly. I, I said that it, I haven't been, like, no one's like running down the road throwing like invitations under my door, but I, I definitely don't, mm-hmm. didn't, but mm-hmm. the bit I, I, I take exception to, Jason, is I never, I never expected them to, like, I never thought they would. I never mm-hmm. went into like mm-hmm. uh, this kind of like more condensed 
populated, focused place where conversation is the only thing. Like, remember, like, my interviews came from music. I, I, I got my, my whole life's journey started because I listen and love music. And then later on, it was like, oh, there's some conversation that we can have around this. And then o- over time, I suppose that gets deeper and a little bit deeper and a little bit deeper. And here I am now at this point in my life. But I, I, I never, ever sort of, I never woke up when I was a kid and, and it, all my synapses were firing and I was seeing the world and all what was possible and thought, talk sure i i understand <laughs> it wasn't my dream i didn't either it found me yeah but also you you know you're you're in a position like like a howard stern or something like that where whether even if you were getting a bunch of offers to do podcasts like why the hell would you you know you're you're sure. you're locked in you're in this amazing position where you kind of have so much power you get to do whatever you want and you make a good salary it doesn't depend on ratings it doesn't depend on you know any of those things so why would you that's fair but um i guess my point is you know at a certain point you know i'm sure you're going to have a long illustrious career at apple but eventually you will be sent out to pasture so my question is are you going to switch to Patreon or an ad-supported revenue stream? <laughs> That's a great question. I haven't given it enough thought. I need to start thinking about this. As soon as you mentioned the P word. No, no, no. Not- we're, we're decades away from this, but I'm just planting the seed as your, as your financial advisor. I don't know, man. I, you know, I, I might do something altogether different. I might be talking. How much, how, many, how, much, how many real estate holdings do you have currently? Because that could be a nice pivot for you. Yeah. Just something to think about. You've got to diversify. I mean, talky-talky is never going to be enough. Um, what do you do with the money you make from the talky-talky? Uh, I don't know, man. I, That's I exactly. Right. I haven't really, I, I haven't got any de- defined kind of timeline of how long this thing kicks around for. Like, mm-hmm. I, I really, the truth is not to like be all serious because I know that's not the mo necessarily here. But I, I just think, um, I do like to. I, I'm trying to stay in the moment. I'm trying to stay as present in the conversation. Like that, it, the thing I like about talking to people is that I, I, I can't really think about the parts of my life that stress me out, and I can't really give into anxiety, and I can't really let depression and things that have really fucked me up in the past kind of take a hold of me. Because if I do that, then I'm not listening to what you're saying, and then I'm a shit guest or a shit interviewer, and then a whole, and then I'm out of a job. So it, 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 by its very nature, by staying in the present moment, I'm sort of just holding on. And then when I let go, I don't know. I don't know what I'll do. I may just, like I said, I may decide to just fulfill some other ambition or dream in my life. Yeah, I guess that is. I, I apologize for that question now that you framed it that way. I guess it's sort of like asking Michael Jordan, like, hey, when you're done with basketball, are you going to be on TNT or ESPN? It's not a question you should ever apologize for. I mean, it's a fucking great, <laughs> it's a fucking great question. But it's like, I don't want, like, hey, what, you know, do you want to think about your dream job ending? <sighs> Yeah, I it's I mean that only in terms of how good Apple stock is performing lately. <laughs> yeah, this has nothing to do with the, the the new studio or anything. This is only equity, sweetheart. No, no, I just think that, you know, you get to we interview people, you interview people, you know, it's kind of the same shit, really, you know. Mm. And uh and and uh <laughs> but you know, I feel like you you're able to pull stuff out, you know, you're real pro, you've been doing this for a long time, but what happened now now you cuz you're talking about staying present, which I think is is sometimes mm. difficult so mm. when the shit is go- is is i don't know if it's going to go off the rails with you necessarily because i think people are so prepared for it and they they understand what they're getting into sure but if somebody's just being a little too much of a you know hard nut to crack yeah I, that's when i start scrambling a little bit because we've had some duds on this podcast just like you've had some duds yeah we don't you know we don't have producers we don't have notes blah 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 but like you know i, I just where do you go you know what I mean? Where do you go to, to kind of keep it moving? Well, thank you for asking a good question, unlike your colleague who asked a terrible question before. <laughs> We're just getting started. 
<laughs> you thought that was fucking bad. <laughs> one, one, one apology is not going to be enough. Um, no, I, <laughs> um, that's a fucking great question. I, um, I've scrambled before for sure. I mean, I've definitely been like you know, totally directionless in a, in a, in a, in, a, in real time. Um, you know, there's way, way harder than worse predicaments to find yourself in than being lost for words or being a little bit, you know, out of, out of ideas when someone's staring at you and they haven't given you the answer or the amount of answer you needed in order to stay present. But, mm-hmm. um, it, it just, it takes you for me when back in the day, it would take me back to like sort of anxiety dreams, you know, like, like just uh, all those things like, like, oh my God, I've woken up and I have an exam today and I've, and I haven't studied for it. All that shit that kind of like is a recurring nightmare for kids because it's like trauma training. (laughs) So you just get that feeling in real time, like, oh man, I'm totally called out here. Like I'm unprepped, I'm screwed. And so now I lean in to it. Mm I am try to be really unaffected by it. And just think this is an experience just like a good experience happened yesterday this one is just as real as that one was and just keep it as human as possible i mean i had one the other day with somebody who's actually a really good friend of mine who was just kind of wasn't really in the mood to be interviewed and wasn't (laughs) rude but was just trying to find his answers and it was early and he was just like, man, you know, it wasn't snapping. It was just, you know, we had to just kind of take our time. And rather than me try and rush him and try and push him or try to overcompensate, which is how I've definitely handled it in the past, I just let it go and just let those silences go yeah. and just mm-hmm. not judge him and not be mad and not be upset and not let my That's ego it. get in the way. And at the end, he was like, oh, man, you know, I, 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 you know, th- th- there was moments there I was just trying to find what I was trying to say. And I said, That's entirely your, like, you have every right to do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like, That's it. That's more of a them jeans. That's a them jeans method. He really. I'm more of a, I'm going to make fun of you until you respond kind of thing. So I think it takes. That's okay. You know, therapy will iron that out like it does for everybody. And I think that, you <laughs> yeah, know. Yeah. Well, I, I think it's sort of, uh, sorry to interrupt. But I, th- I think it's sort of like when I get in a, an argument or, or something like that with my partner, you know, I could sense that something is wrong. I could sense that there's some tension, but no, you know, nobody's talking about it. And sometimes you kind of have to crash the plane and start over again or just to let some steam out and be like well this is going bad isn't it you know like just little things like that you, you know you, got, you gotta of, get over your you, you, like ego is a funny thing right because it's like such powerful fuel when you need it and it comes from such a real place it's like it's just such fuck you juice you know all those people <laughs> didn't believe in me like fuck you i'm drinking the juice i'm the fucking best you know but but you know you can use that to like propel you a little further down the road a bit faster like you know it's like that nitrous button in those cars and the fucking mm-hmm. fast and furious movies like <laughs> but then eventually you'll crash right like you'll just fucking it will totally drive you off the road and um and so for me it's like i try as much as possible to uh, <laughs> to live an egoless existence. Sorry, I'm quoting Kurt Hammett from some kind of monster. All right, bro. All right, bro. Look, I've seen you. I know you interviewed Rick Rubin, but like, you don't have to. You don't have to steal his swag, too. Exactly. Relax. No, I'm, I'm 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 retracting that statement. It was for human purposes only. Like, I'm still as much of a nightmare at times as, as anybody, and certainly as I have been. But um, I try not to let it get in the conversation mm-hmm. space where I I try not to take it too fucking personally, man. I try yeah, yeah, not yeah. to. And sometimes it happens. Sometimes you're like, man, and mainly that comes from like, man, I ha- this 
could have been so good. Like <laughs> I knew my shit. I know you. Could, I know that you're great on your day, and this could have been something so great for people to listen to, and it just didn't land. And so you, it's more than missed opportunity that truly fucking stings. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of be, it, it being like, what a waste of my time. Like fuck that. You're lucky you have any time at all. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you on that. I never feel like I, I. I never feel like I wasted my time doing this. I've never had that. I'm sure Jason might have. Because he does the editing, but I've never really, I've never really felt like that. Like I've never, even if it's bad, I'm like whatever. It's Jason always equated it to like being on like a bad date. It's like I don't give a shit. I'm gonna eat dinner anyway, so I'll just make this. Right, fun. exactly. <laughs> like, like what? What difference does it make? And, and, you know? and you know what's what's really funny is a lot of the time the people who fall in love with this 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 um podcast and this whole world that you've built and stuff is um they they want it. They want to hear all of it. Like if you if everything just goes mm. one way all the time. Um, then it's, there's no, there's no kind of seasons to this whole thing, you know? And, uh, and too much sunshine is annoying too. So it's like, you know, it's, it's no, cool. you're right. You're right. It's good, man. Yeah. I think, I think it's very, it's very easy to have an enjoyable, good conversation and entertaining, you know, conversation is going well. I think it's a lot more challenging and interesting to have a conversation that's going terribly be entertaining and then that sort of enters sort of like a nathan fielder kind of (laughs) well also just leave it in like leave it in like we have this real sort of propensity as a species to try to iron out all of our wrinkles and uh Mm -hmm. like if it's fucking awkward it's awkward there isn't a human being on the planet today that isn't going to have some kind of awkward experience with somebody like just lean into it leave in those grays (laughs) Just leave it, man. Just, just fucking leave it, dude. Just leave, leave it, it, man. <laughs> leave it, bro. Leave it alone. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take that. I'm gonna be more standoffish on this show so that we kind of can create, so so we can kind of create some of that. Jason, just take that note down if you don't mind. Is yeah, there's that boss gene in full effect. <laughs> Look at that, huh? A couple times already in the show, you mentioned uh, a common response that a lot of people have that get interviewed a lot or around the interview world a lot is somebody will ask a question and you'll say, Oh, that's a really good question. I did. Didn't um, I? And I, that, that always reminds me of, I mean, obviously you say that because you're so used to, you've heard every question because you've asked it or you've Actually, heard. There's multiple reasons for that. Jason. One is we ask questions. So often we want to give positive affirmations to others because we know what it is to be on the receiving end of an answer. So definitely, it, it, it's it's kind of like a little bit of a quid pro quo. Like uh, you're asking me a question now. I know what it's like to be on your side of the desk. And so let me just like put some good will into the air. But the flip side of it is that it, it also, if it's a really good question, it should be acknowledged. And mm-hmm. I thought that was a really good question. And you're just salty because you had to apologize for a question directly before it. <laughs> well, to, f- to finish the rest of my uh, sentence. No longer a question. Statement. <laughs> it's a statement. He, it's switched, a statement he switched gears on us. He switched <laughs> he gears switched on it us. Up. He switched gears mid-answer. He was like, I'm not even asking you a question anymore. I'm just going to tell you what the fuck is up. <laughs> it's a two-part. It's a two-parter question. And I'll, I'll get to the part two, but that sentence always reminds me, and I'm also somebody who's guilty of saying that all the time, uh, And it, but it reminds me whenever you say something funny around a comedian, and instead of laughing, they say, oh, that's really funny. I know. That's a really weird one. And it, it comes off in kind of a dickish way at first glance, but like you just sort of affir- reaffirmed, it really is a sign of like, oh, fuck, I've been asked 4,000 questions, or I've heard 4,000 jokes today. They're all bad. I just heard a good one. That's awesome. And I, I wonder, how do you say 
oh, that's that's a really good question, or oh, that's really funny, <laughs> without sounding, you know, maybe insincere. I'm I'm just asking as a you know a little pro tip. That's a really good question. I think you do it. <laughs> <laughs> Son of a bitch. You do it with you do it with your answer is the honest answer. Yeah, yeah. If yeah, you say it's yeah, a really right. good question, right. then give a shitty answer. Then you're lying. Mm-hmm. If it's a really good question and you take your time and give a thoughtful answer and perhaps stretch yourself into territory you haven't actually explored in conversation on the record before because the question took you there, mm-hmm. then you stand yeah. by that statement. Good question. Good answer. We got a lot of, a lot to learn from you because I, I know that you've talked to my number one, you know, my number one dream guest for this podcast, um, at least currently, is is Harold Stylish. Not Liam Gallagher. <laughs> uh, Liam, I think Harold would be a better guest. Liam, I think I would rather hang out with maybe. You guys are Anglophiles, huh? Well, I, you know, look, man, Chris you, is. they've given us a lot. And and you know you're I'm part you're part of the problem you know what I mean over there at the the propaganda <laughs> BBC Radio One oh, I was all about um, but that. yeah I mean it's you raving or behaving they've sure. given us the best music you know what I mean they've given us the best music and I just you know I saw you I believe you and Harold you sat down in like a backyard I believe we did uh, we've had two now we did two big ones and both of them were kind of the theme was sunsets I don't know why I think the first one the sunset behind us and fans dug it and so we then had to go that's nice we found a place to do one where there was a great sunset but the problem was is that he was in a hurry for some reason and we were supposed to start at a certain time and he came out like an hour earlier and was like okay so shall we begin and so we had to sit down and 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 so what was supposed to take like i suppose 75 minutes leaning into the perfect sunset over the mountains of palm springs ended up stretching out into well into two hours because i realized about halfway through we're not going to make the fucking sunset <laughs> sure, so, sure, so, sure 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 so, so the, the conversation really became about um you know the time space continuum and the you know at what point the sun was going to set uh but it was still awesome man and uh yeah you, you'd really like him i mean no one doesn't like him that's you know, the thing right, right? but with someone like that i mean i just feel like with someone like that that is such a pro i mean like truly doesn't get more pro than that yeah but he doesn't give away a lot either like the thing that's interesting about harry is that he he's really uh, he's a wonderful conversationalist but um he also 100 percent knows where his boundaries are um and what he's willing to say not willing to say that's what i mean by pro that's kind of what i mean by pro it's like it comes off as really engaging and interesting and funny and like you love him yeah. but then yeah. when you finish you're like oh this motherfucker didn't give me sh- he gave me what he needed to give me but he didn't give me one <laughs> sentence more than that which i think is truly like the sign of like a an elevated celebrity I, I think that that's like when you're destined for a higher tier yeah. that behavior it comes a little bit easily and more naturally for you but it depends what you're going for right what you want to get out of it like when you like initially you go into those kind of conversations with anyone of that level of a sort of success or or fascination and you're like i need to i need to come away with like i need the hits like i need i need big talk talk talking points mm-hmm. and da, 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 da. yeah and i realized after the first one that harry knew where his boundaries were and i and i respected him for it and when i watch when i actually sort of listen to a little bit of it back which i don't often do mm-hmm. i realized that he was saying a lot but he just he just was was doing it in a way and and, and most importantly at a pace mm. that he was comfortable with right and so and so i was going if you if you and you, you won't but if anyone watched the first one versus the second one i'm i'm way more kind of interactive and jumping into his into his pauses on the second one i was like all right i know how he likes to to run his conversation space he doesn't do a lot of this stuff so let's just have an experience on his terms. Yeah. And that actually was really fun. It just it meant that I wasn't sort of looking 
to try to pivot or twist the conversation in certain ways. I, I, for me, I was like, bro, right now you could be reading me a bedtime story and I'd be meditating through it. Like, <laughs> sure, sure. I really just, I just wanted to have a really very productive and good experience with him. Yeah, that's that the fans would. Enjoy. Yeah, but that's also interesting because I think that like getting to have and and we'll probably get there too but you know getting to have the same person of that stature on and have multiple conversations and kind of understand what's going to work better and like learn from your first that's like you know that's pretty invaluable you know what i mean as far as like oh, dude, honing sure. honing your craft it's it's like yeah everyone we've ever recorded with is the first time we've ever talked to them in in most cases <laughs> yeah but you 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 will talk to you know a maddie or a charlie again or somebody you know and you yeah and, for sure and when you do then you know you will naturally kind of want to take it into a different space I mean, harry's such a it's interesting you bring him up because a lot of people watch our conversations but not a lot of people want to talk about them mm. and well actually, actually it's not true because no one really wants to talk to me about my conversations at all so perhaps he's just part maybe of that's the because all the catalog. people all the people watching them are 11 it's really about me and no one wants to talk to me exactly <laughs> uh but but so so with that being said i haven't really had a chance to really talk to many people about the harry piece um beyond fans who want to talk to me at concerts and, and shit so uh stuff so um the interesting thing about him is that is that I like the pace at which he he speaks, and I like the, the 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 way he searches for his answers, and I like how he's he's aware of where he wants to draw a line. I, I think there's something really valuable in knowing that, that that exists because it pushes you, it pushes you to to try to form a conversation that is is deeper. I think is a more human experience. I also think it to me it's like an old school kind of like there's a little mystery. You know, and I think that's something that we're deeply lacking with celebrity in the modern age is that we just know too much about all these bozos. (laughs) And it makes you like it makes it it makes the art less powerful. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to see I don't want to see Harry Styles, you know, on Instagram stories at Whole Foods. I I don't want to see that. I want to see. I only want to see Harry Styles wearing Gucci on a stage <laughs> looking like think you know in bowie mode that's all i want to see you we know what i mean see him at jfk yeah looking glorious no but no but if you see him at jfk he knows his boundaries so when he shows up at jfk what he's wearing and how he's carrying himself he knows what it is yeah, yeah, yeah. to live his life like this right now he knows and he also knows when to disappear and what was really cool about that conversation was when he talked about that drive to italy on his own um in his in his dad's car or stepdad's car which was i think it was which was a really moving story, but no one knew that. That never made the prayers. No one ever talked about like, oh, you know, Harry's driving to Italy. He knows how to switch off. If you can know when to be the subject of attention and you also know when to disappear, you cracked it. Mm. No, no, no. I, I, I completely agree with you. I, I just think that it's like for someone younger to, to approach it that way is just I think it's because if you're famous that young, you almost don't have a choice because yeah. it's like you'll just get burnt the fuck out if you don't kind of yeah regulate yourself a little bit well, you don't have a choice now because we have experience and examples of people who have burnt the fuck out because they didn't regulate and i think that that's i was talking to someone about this last night actually it's really interesting you bring this up because i was talking to i'm sure you won't mind me blowing him up blowing him up but there's this there's this great artist called fred again who's also a producer called fred gibson and fred yeah. again's like he's incredible mm-hmm. and and we were having this dinner last night and we were talking about how um it, it feels like people at a certain level of success now that that preserving your mental health is like high if not top priority and and i feel for decades it wasn't even considered part of the equation well i've got some i've got some thoughts on this too i've got some thoughts on this and too. it still shouldn't be i mean yeah i'm a little bit like just kidding i'm a little bit burnt out on the canceling the tour uh for mental health when i can look and see that tickets aren't selling 
That's what I'm. That's what I'm not for. It's quite a cynical, quite a cynical approach you're taking there, mate. I'm well. I'm a cynical guy. I, I agree with you. I mean, I think there's a lot. I think some of it's real and some of it's not, and that's the problem. It's like anything else. It's like you can become the boy who cried wolf very quickly with anything because the eyeballs. Right. It can be used or abused. Yeah, it's just one of those things. But I think there's some truth to it, of course. But then you have Santi Gold, who, and I need to really read the post before I actually quote her on the post. But based on on the news story we did today, and I and I hope I get this right, um, and I'll make sure that I qualify it after. I've said it is that um you know she came out and said like i'm not going to tour um at the time when i wanted to tour because it's just not sustainable for me to do so and and the way that things are built and structured right now from my perspective as an artist um it, they don't work in my favor and and until that works out then i i'm not going to extend myself any further i simply can't and so there's a very honest reaction I, oh no i there's think a it's a very honest reaction i think it's honest but i'm also a little bit like i ex- i think we all and this is probably uh, not for the best, but we expect more from these people. You know what I mean? We expect them to deliver as they promise. You know what I mean? And not even because like yeah. we got a babysitter and we spent a hundred dollars on tickets. I, I just mean in general, but I also think that there's like a, I, I think that we're, I just, I think it's a different time that we're living in. Well, let's, well, no, that's interesting. Let's go there because I, 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 I really, um, I think there's a difference between showing up and putting on the show that you've committed to and promoting and, and encouraging people to want to come and see a show and drawing them into your world and getting into that relationship between the art and the fan. I think that's, that's a commitment. I, but I think that, um, I think that for a very long time, we've expected a lot from probably the most vulnerable person in this whole room. <laughs> you know, the artist is the most vulnerable mm-hmm. yeah, in, yeah. The whole, in the whole equation. And, and yet we sort of expect a huge amount of carrying to be done by the artist. And, and really, the only argument that ever gets thrown out there when things get cancelled is, oh, boo-hoo, poor you, with your rich millions and trillions of dollars and your dreams come true. Mm-hmm. And that whole bullshit, which is like, okay, first of all, the financial re- reality of that is not even is not even generally speaking the truth. And secondly, just because you're on radio or you're pl- on stage or you're having a great time doing what you love to do doesn't mean that, you know, it's a given that you're going to be able to, you're set for life. So artists need to work too. So don't think that they're canceling tours because they don't need to tour. They need to fucking tour. No, that's their biggest, I mean, that's their part, usually their 100%. biggest income at a certain 100%. level. You know, they, it's, it's definitely Definitely leaving money on the table if if totally you know if it goes as planned. Totally, but the problem is is that is that we we've spent too long with this kind of psychology of like if you if you make something and you share it then then um you know you need to support it until you till you're sort of like literally to the mm-hmm. bone exhausted. And I think that um it's not actually good for anybody's sort of human experience like oh man it's really i was talking to a dj about this right this guy hardwell who's like one of the big edm like success stories and he was saying he walked away and and a part of it was because Avicii passed away and it really hit him hard and he was like man i need to go away and reassess what this all means and part of it was because he was just completely burnt out and and when and i posted this thing up on my social media feed and also pointed to the podcast like this is interesting you know if if you've ever gone to any of these events eighty thousand people in a speedway losing your head to dry ice and fucking confetti cannons (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> then understand that there's a, there's a flip side to this whole kind of party zone, which is that it's because I've done it. I toured for 10 years. It's fucking exhausting, right? And at some point, it, you're going to burn out on this shit. Like waking up, traveling, 
DJing till three in the morning. Everyone's like, yeah, well, you don't have to drink, don't you? <laughs> like when you're there at the club at, 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 at 12, at, at 12 yeah, yeah, yeah. unless you're teetotal, if you were at the club at 12.30 p.m. and someone gives you a fucking free bottle of champagne or a bottle of wine or a, bottle, or a glass or something and you're like, I'm fucking exhausted, it becomes like it has always become in the entertainment industry a crutch, a distraction, a numbing from the reality that you're burnt out and the next thing you know, you're done. And, and I put it up there and the point is like a ton of people split. 50% of people are like, thank you for putting a conversation up that's actually real about this and the 50% were like, boo fucking who? And I was like, oh, I mean, shit. I see both sides of it as a as a person who understands and as, as also as a person who I think it at the, the the public at large has very little empathy for celebrity or anyone that is basically richer than they are, for lack of a better for, for lack of a more eloquent term. Um, and I think that like, right. obviously this stuff is really hard. It's also like physically taxing beyond the mental part. Like if you're, you know, if you're doing real shit every night, it, it's going to take a toll on you. But I do think that we've just, the way that we've exalted musicians and celebrities in our culture, it's very difficult for the layman to feel sympathy for them. And that's where this 50, 50 comes from. Sympathy. It's interesting that you use that word because I, I don't I don't really sort of like know why sympathy would even factor into it on a good day or a bad day. Like do the tour, don't do the tour. Why would anyone need to uh, uh, show sympathy? In what in what's in in what sense? Well, like why would I need to be like I have no sympathy for you? Like surely if it, if 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 you had a ticket, you'll get your money back. If you love the artist, you'll hold the line and wish them well. And if you're not either of those things, don't be entertained by the story. So move on and don't even offer an opinion. <laughs> and that's the thing I think that part of this is. Yeah, a, is, a, is a, that's fair, actually. That's a good point. <laughs> is, a, is a real part of the real problem that we have here is that we lean into these things. We fucking shout about it. We burn it to the ground and then we act like we didn't want the fucking trees anyway. Mm-hmm. So it's like, what what are we doing? Like. These are real people doing real shit. I don't think anyone pulls a tour and wants sympathy. I think the best they can hope for is understanding. I think they expect anger and frustration from a certain portion of people who do ultimately because they're having a bad day. Like, I was looking forward to that. This is fucking bullshit. I think anybody who cancels anything goes into it understanding that's a reality. And I think they hope that that turns around and at the end of the day they can come back and put on the show they want. But anyone who's just kind of in the cheap seats showing or not showing sympathy can kind of fuck off. (laughs) I mean, I I don't know. I don't know what you what do you think about that i mean it's just it's just it's just this is it's like it's just this is hu- this is real life this is real life people get tired people get fucking burnt out shit goes on life goes on i got shit going on in my life right now no one knows about to do with like my family stuff like in new zealand and shit like it's just shit goes on and you, and you do your best mm. to not let it affect your performance or what you're doing all your life because you take your job seriously but shit goes on all the time no for sure All the time. And until we get to a point where we actually let the human experience be multifaceted and layered without trying to like demonize people, I just don't know who's benefiting. Oh, I definitely, I definitely don't know who's benefiting. I think that's a very good question. Like, I don't know. Everyone loses. Um, I think whoever, you know, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, they're benefiting. Yeah. Yeah, But even that just becomes a terrible dirge, a thrash, an undertow of a really, really rough, short dump wave. Mm -hmm. It just doesn't survive. You know, like if that's all you are as a platform, you're fucked medium term. Well, I also think that the, the like fan culture has gotten at absolutely. I mean, I'm sure you experience this on a literally daily basis, but it's gotten 
completely out of control. You know what I mean? Like the dedication is so crazy now that it's like any misstep is considered like a crime. And that takes us, yeah. And that takes us kind of back to the original sort of discussion point, which is like, how do we sort of at least create awareness? It, it, no one wants to stop somebody at a certain point in their life being passionate about something, right? That's what drives the whole narrative of life. Mm. You know, if, if I couldn't have been passionate and at times sometimes over demanding of the people that moved me, I wouldn't have done what I'd done with my life. Like that's what being a fan of something is, right? But at the same time, I think it's just about awareness. And I think... Mm where we really can do some, some some positive good is that when somebody does have the courage to raise their hand and say, I know I'm letting a lot of you down, but I just got to go and figure some shit out, that, that we at least protect the narrative from the people who don't actually have any investment in it. So it's like if you're a true fan and it's like you're upset, yeah, be heard. But if you're just part of like, you know, people throwing shit at, at the stage just because you, you bought a ticket, you have no idea who you're actually throwing shit at. Like, go do something else with your life. Like, it's really mm -hmm. not useful. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I don't think it's useful. I, I would agree with you. But it's it's been a it's been an interesting couple of years, I think, because a lot of this stuff also, like the behind-the-scenes kind of business stuff is now reported on in a different way for, like, the layman to in yeah, invest true. in. Yeah, true. It's a lot of information. If that makes sense. What do you do with that information, right? You react to it, and eventually it becomes a service. I get it, man. It's very human. We all do it. I still yell at the TV. I still do it. It's, it's totally human to do it. <laughs> I just think we have to pull up from being, um, from, 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 from trying to actively hurt people if you're in your living room and you're just fucking going this is bullshit great totally it's bullshit yeah, <laughs> yeah that doesn't affect it's, it's, anyone it's bullshit and anyone. you know what yeah, be yeah. conscious of the fact that you're just being a dick right now be in dick mode but it's like um you know if, you, if you're gonna go if, you know if it's if it's about actively going out to hurt other people then wow what is you know we're we sort of not a naive funny little species aren't we you know at the end of the day well we we fuck up we fuck up every day in a myriad of ways and i'm glad that you recognize that Totally, man. I'm I'm, I'm a fuck up. <laughs> hey, can you guys hear me? Hi, Jace. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Hi. Sorry. Sorry. No, I was I was talking, and I don't I don't know if you guys were hearing me. What? Uh, I didn't mean that in a passive aggressive way. I was, I was gonna was say, a, say he's the pass ag one. He's the pass ag one in the, in the team. <laughs> it was it was a, it was yeah. purely from a technical standpoint. So, can you guys hear me out there? Am I, am I coming in? I'm just trying to make sure. I can is this come thing in. is this thing on? Is this thing is on? This thing on, Hello? fellas. <laughs> Thought this was a three-way. I'm feeling neglected. Um, no, we uh, okay. We were talking about. Um, oh, I was recently listening to an episode that you did with Stevie Nicks, and she was talking about how back in the day, um, if you have a tour planned, you you just can't cancel it mm. because you know there's contracts and there's the crew and the venues and employees and people with families and stuff that you have to consider. Yeah, and obviously there's a big age thing attached to that. Whereas somebody from her generation, a woman in her seventies or however old she is, you come from a time where you just don't cancel it. And nowadays people are like, "Well, I'm going to cancel it." And I'm not saying one way is better than the other. I think they're both, you know, faulted in certain ways. She's from a stubborn era, and and the current young generation is sort of had an awakening of like, well, I can say no if it really means, you know, I could die from doing this. There's a few things to take into account there. One, um, you know, Fleet, it's Fleetwood Mac. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and, and, and in that particular case, what she was referring to was the tour that they had booked with Lindsay Buckingham. Mm -hmm. And then Lindsay and Fleetwood Mac had parted ways. 
And so it, it, it was about like, well, this is really public knowledge now. Lindsay's not in the band. We've kind of shat the bed, mm-hmm. right, as a band. We've lost a member. Sure. Yes, they, yes, they have. Yes, they right? have. Right? This is, you can't spin this. It's like someone's left the band, right? Now, <laughs> this is before hologram technology was, was perfected yet, so there wasn't really a lot of options. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, so, here's a band not, so here's a band not making up an excuse. They're saying, look, a, a band member's left. Um, so at the very least, what can we do to keep the show on the road, mm-hmm. right? Now, there's no guarantees that it's going to work. They're going to find a suitable replacement. In the end, they found two. See if Katranata's around, someone in there. <laughs> he would have been yeah. amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> and I mean, look, it's, it's, Fleetwood, it's, it's Fleetwood Mac. They would have had a, 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 like a long line of suitors. But, um, but, sure. but the fact that they, you know, they went and chose Mike Campbell and Neil Finn and they, and they got the show moving and everything else – they they were true to their ambition, which is to to your point, and this is to your point too, Chris. You know, to to do right by the fans, mm-hmm. to, to to stick to their commitment and get it done. And and I think that there are really large financial implications. You know, Fleetwood Mac stadiums, yeah, it's insane. You know, huge numbers, big insurance policies, like a lot of stuff kicking around. That if you can avoid mm-hmm. getting into that into that sort of mess, then you should. And um, and I think that they had the appetite to carry on. Their thing was like, we want to keep doing the shows. It's just Lindsay's not in the band anymore. So how can we do the shows? Mm. Now, I think when you're talking about the, the, I think it's like three or four artists in the last few months that have pulled tours and cited mental health as the reason, which is why this is a topic that it's mm-hmm. the second time I've spoken about this today, right? We talked about it as a team <laughs> on the show today as well. And I say, only, I say that only to say that it's a hot topic to some degree. So, um, you know, mm-hmm. wet leg, mm-hmm. Um, Sean Mendes, you know, Sam Fender, there's someone else I can't remember. And Santi Gold. It's Santi Gold, yeah, but again, I felt her answer was pretty up front and honest. It, on, and mm, they all were, yeah. but it wasn't, it didn't feel like a mental health statement to me. Maybe it was our same reason for not going to Australia. It's just, <laughs> yeah, we just can't, yeah. it's just financially, it's just not right. going to pan out for us. Right. It's, it's, it's the destruction of the, destruction of the middle class in terms of live performance as well as the rest of the world. All very valid reasons, right? I'm, I have to go sort my head out. Well, I have to go sort my business out. We've all got to go sort some shit out. And so I think that, um, yeah, we can all sit here and compare ourselves to Fleetwood Mac, but fuck, man, they're Fleetwood Mac. <laughs> you know, if anyone's going to problem- That's true. If anyone's going to problem solve, it's going to be Irving. <laughs> you know, he's going to sit there with yeah, a band yeah, and be yeah. like, I got this, we can do this, yeah. we can but, do uh, this. But, uh, but <laughs> conversely- could you name a band that needed to take mental health breaks more than Fleetwood Mac, but they never <laughs> yeah, did, you know? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. They might be the number one of all Like, time. of all the bands that have, like, had, like, cocaine sword fights at five in the morning, you know, like that, they're pretty high up there, and they, they needed it the I most. I'll tell you what. It was worth the wait, Chris. It was, it took him 45 minutes, but he delivered a fucking zinger, didn't he, huh? He delivered a zinger. I mean, he's, he's, he's right. He makes a great point, he because, a great point. and he is right. He makes, well, and, and and perhaps there's some uh, uh, irony in there. I don't know if it's Alanis Morissette level irony, where, but it's definitely some kind of form of irony where the band that, to your point, they lost a band member. I guess speaking to what you're saying, Jason, if anyone can keep the show on the road, it's them. So you know, <laughs> um, no, they're a ba- they're a bad example. It is the reality. They're a bad example. They there have are been tons through, of artists been that probably should have walked away. Um, early, there are bands that would still be around today if they'd walked away early. I'll pull up from going any further than that because when it gets to a point of personal health, um, I think there's a lot of yeah. play. I think there's a lot of play. And I think you can point it down to one aspect of a job or a situation. Is there's a lot going on and it's very unique and to every to every individual. But I mean, I definitely believe there was, and, and it's on, been on the record many times of some bands that that would have still been making records today if they had sort of found a way to get off the road 
um, a little earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's tough, man. The money's good. The road is is perpetual. Everyone's kind of just pushing you to keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going, even with the best of intentions. It's tough, man. It's not an easy thing to walk away from. Jason and I talked about, I mean, obviously we're not doing any real touring, but when we were on tour, even doing our show, it's like the, the kind of predictability of every day and knowing where you have to be at a certain time in this way yeah. is like kind of comforting. Spell. It's a North Star is what I said. Yeah, say. you're working towards a, a common goal with a big group of people, and it feels good, you know? I think Yeah, you that, get that even, endorphin even rush. In bad times, yeah. You get that yeah, bump yeah, at the exactly. end of the show, and everyone's high-fiving, and you feel invincible. You could do it for the rest of your life, but eventually, you know, it just gets tiring, and I think it's just about knowing when... It's a risk-reward situation, right? Like It's like anything in life. You know, you got to decide, is the risk worth the reward? If the reward is for me to walk away and get some personal space, take some time, figure out what I want to do next, ultimately the reward will be better for everybody later on. Now, the risk mm-hmm. is everyone might not stick around. Some people might just feel like this relationship is over. And then you got to ask yourself the risk versus reward. And I mean, the greats just do it. They just don't mind saying, if you can't meet me yeah. back here or somewhere else in two years, it's been good. Not every relationship needs to last forever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, yeah, you're right. Thanks, thanks for the memories, yeah. guys. You know, no, you're right. You're don't right. Don't get emotional. <laughs> that won't do. Speaking of uh, relationships, I, I something I experience all the time when I'm just having a conversation with my partner, and she sort of feels like, oh, you're not really talking to me very much today because you're going to record a podcast later mm-hmm. and you're sort of saving up your your talking chi or whatever like so <laughs> if you ever have that moment with your partner um, where you feel like you're not giving her your best material or you know because sometimes chris and i will feel like you know what's the point of having a conversation yeah. if we aren't getting paid for it exactly yeah, but my wife's different bro she's like I- I- why are you talking to me in your radio voice right now you know? oh like, okay okay you can't bring that, that ho- you, you can't know? bring that home with you you can't bring that home she's with not you. interested she's not interested she's not interested like she's not We've been married 23 years this year. That's not that you. Oh, wow. That's not you. Can't have a relationship like the one we have if it's remotely attached to this stuff. Like it's just none of it. Because what if I choose to do someone else? Like, well, that's that. I should have seen. I should have seen the signs, right? Like, keep the job, keep the wife. Like, it's not about that. It. it she is the opposite, and I have worked really hard in my life to like leave it at the door. I know it's an obvious thing to say. If it's been a great day and I had a great experience, I'll tell her an anecdote or two or this or that. But um, the stuff we talk about is we have two teenage boys now. You know, we have so much to talk about. Wait, how old are they? How old are they? How old are they? 16 and 14. Oh my God. What the fuck? We're just trying to like have as many experiences and collect as many awesome memories in the years that we have them living under our roof as possible because these two kids, like every kid, are going are gonna to take their identity out into the world and forge their own path and live their life and have a wonderful life on their terms. And long may that happen, and I, can, I cannot wait for them mm-hmm. to have that. But at the same time, you know, I'm trying to... I'm trying to hold on, you know, because I love my team. So you got a you got a six. Hold on, you got a 16 year old. So you got kids. You got two kids going to crossroads. Zane Lowe's their papa. What? <laughs> what the fuck? Like now they do not go to crossroads, bro. But that's hilarious. <laughs> okay, Harvard Westlake. Zane, how much money are you spending on kids see ghost hoodies every month? What's the over under on that? <laughs> oh, dude, you're pretty. 
holy. You're like the third cup of coffee of the day, bro. <laughs> like, you just kick in around 11, huh? Dane, I got a, a follow-up question to that that's serious. Like, when you, you know, you're a musical person. You grew up around it your whole time, your, your whole life. You have a 16-year-old kid who's like, hey, can you buy me this band shirt? And when you're a kid, you know, it was it was 10 bucks. And now the band merch is $270 on Grailed's. Five hundred ninety-eight dollars yep. the next week. Yeah. What do you do? Are you like, bro? I'm not going to buy you this fucking seven hundred dollar hoodie. What's the question? What's the what's the serious what's the serious question? <laughs> the serious, the serious question, question is what's the what's the price cap on band merch? Where something yeah. where you're like, I really want my kid to have this thing, but like, come on, bro, I'm not going to do the seven hundred dollar, you know, Astro World pants. That's a great question. This motherfucker. <laughs> the, the, the really boring answer is they don't really fuck around with that stuff. Um, one of the, one of them is really not remotely interested in expensive things at all. I mean, mm. he's a thrift shopper and a skateboarder, and he just wants to make skate videos and skate and make beats and go down to like literally nice um, secondhand stores. And I mean, this this is this is a guy who ordered I can't remember the poundage, but it was like pounds, like a lot, like four or maybe six industrial sized really heavy duty rubbish bags of secondhand t-shirts for 200 mm-hmm. bucks just buying in bulk each t-shirt was probably coming in like 50 cents a t-shirt sure and he wants to like do resale and do all this sort of stuff and sometimes he pulled a few out like he's wearing some kind of i Heart country music awards 2011 t-shirt right now which he thinks is the greatest t-shirt of all time you're like you're like bro you're like you cannot wear i heart merchandise in oh, this household for- oh i don't care no i'm all about it no, no, i'm all no. about we it you care no I, i'm all about it. like 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 he, he puts it on and i'm taking a look at the list of artists who are performing at the i heart country music awards in like 2011 i'm like that is a solid lineup i heart you know no, actually i was just looking at the reg the i heart radio lineup from this year and then 2011 my how the mighty have crumbled it, it was all these great people and like avril lavigne's headlining this year i think yeah but this is what i'm saying though jason he's it's the country music awards mm-hmm, iheart mm-hmm. awards it's not the iheart awards it's the iheart country awards i blame diplo yeah it's diplo's fault for sure <laughs> no I, and I, listen country music was just a glimmer in diplo's eye in 2011 <laughs> um but no they don't really care and the oldest one the oldest one is um when it comes to band stuff um they did do it we did buy it it's <laughs> Most of the merch these days you get at concerts, it falls apart after three washes anyway. So they, it's kind of a short-lived fashion. Oh. It's a short-lived passion. Um, and as far as clothes go, you know, they save up their own shit now. They all have they all have their like chores and they're they're all making a little bit of money here and there and their little hustles mm-hmm. and doing this shit. So I like I like that. Yeah, I can't. I feel like sixteen-year-olds these days really know how to kind of make it happen for them. They in a way of, that we yeah. did, we did not. No, like, oh, we did no, not. No, and know? I'm way older than both of you. I'm way. I'm a generation, if not more, older than you. So back then, I was just like. You know, how am I going to afford my U2 tour T-shirt? You know, so it's like <laughs> it's a different world mm-hmm. now. But um, yeah, I mean, the merch thing—I'm all about the merch thing, man. If you can go and make, make exceptional merch and you can make a great margin on it, then do it because it's your brand. It's your, you're the artist. It's you should be allowed to go do it. And if it's really good, I'll pay for it. Okay, well, yeah, just go to howlonggone.com. There's hats, <laughs> shirts, tote bags, all kinds of stuff. What is um, support. what is the one piece of merch that you guys haven't done that you really want to do? Oh, good question. Uh, I think um, uh, I wanted. To- <laughs> I wanted. I think um, probably Remo 
Volva luggage. No, no, or... no. Oh, it's good. Luggage is good. Luggage is maybe good. a driving shoe, Laura Piana, something like that. I want to do. Like we want to do dry fit, like actual hats for sporting, like Nike dry fit hats, and then I, I would like to do some performance socks as well. Very good. Um, just because <laughs> I, I buy very expensive socks for tennis and running, and I just think there's something there. Low, I, I just bought. So are you familiar with the brand Falk, F-A-L-K-E? No. The, the British sock maker? No. Okay. Well, you know, I didn't expect you to be because this is a little a little dorky, but I ordered two pairs of running socks, two pairs of of, uh, of tennis socks. It ran me about 150 mm-hmm. oh, okay. I got them, and I Quality was like, these are fucking amazing. This is the nicest. This is one of the best Quality things cotton. I've ever bought for myself. And it's really got my wheels turning on the sock market, and maybe and that's how we- really what it's about, Chris. It's about quality <laughs> of goods. It is. It's about quality of goods. You know, you'd be willing to pay above your margin for anything that's made for pure quality. That's right. Quality. That's right. I'll pay like this podcast, right? To last quality. I mean, I'll pay. Like, I'm, you know, I will pay for it to go and see these two muppets at the troubadour because <laughs> quality product look bro bert and ernie at the troubadour we can add you to the list the show is sold out it's actually sold out zane maybe we can get you out the highland park <laughs> oh i fucking know it is oh i know it is i know it is i know it is now i know what you guys are doing hard tickets, hard tickets. Okay, zane, That's exactly as, right. as we're as we're closing things out are we um, done <laughs> i guess i mean we're 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 not super close uh, the landing gear's down but we're still ten thousand feet up way to make it feel like a favor okay let's wrap it up <laughs> Settle down now, Lel. Settle down. It's okay. We um we we were very excited and and pleased to hear that you wanted to do this podcast. And I'm I'd be lying if I said I wasn't curious to know more about uh, how this came together on your end because you know truly an honor. Are you asking me why I decided to talk to you? Are you like tell me I'm great? No, no, no. No, I, no it, it's not tell me I'm great. It's just like we didn't even know you knew we existed. Yeah, it's, and it's then more our friend at Apple. Yeah, I have a really simple answer to this question. Like, I have fuck? a really simple answer to this question. Right. And it refers to something that we spoke about at the beginning of the of the conversation. And I've really enjoyed okay. it by the way. I hope you have too. Loved it. Um <laughs> The bottom line is that nobody asks. So you asked, mm-hmm. and I said yes. There you go. It is that simple. Nobody asks. I guess it's that simple. What before? Bef- again, before we before we. Let- it's not entirely true. It's not entirely true. You know, <laughs> y- y- you guys. Um, I knew that I would have a different conversation with you than I have with most people, which is like an interview greatest hits, and it's like okay, mm-hmm. it's cool, it's great. I'm never gonna feel you know. I'm never going to do a half-assed job there and I'm never going to feel like, like I'm grateful anyone would take any interest in anything I'm, I'm remotely associated with. So I give my everything to every conversation if I agree to do it, but I just knew this would just be different. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> and it was more of the same bullshit. Uh, well, where can we, where can we find you in LA? Like, I don't want to blow up your spot, but like, I, you know, are you, where do I go? Are you at Air One on Beverly? Are you at San Vicente Bungalows? No. Are you at, where no. are you going? Are you, are you, what are some of your hot spots? Are you at Proof and Atwater? Like, what are we talking about? I mean, I, I, I spend a little bit of time in, on La Brea. Oh, okay. I'll see you at Sweet Green. Okay. No problem. Is a couple What are you doing? Are you over at the Arcteric store? You getting a burger on 99? American Rag for a little bit close. You're getting talking? close. You're getting close. I got a couple of friends who I go and, and drop in on La Brea. I might buy a little bit of expensive, expensive French terry cotton. You know, a little, little, okay. little vibe. Um, so he's at Union. No, I, he's at Union. We got it. He's at Union. Yeah, <laughs> no, I'm not it. at Union. Oh, I, 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 no way. Man, I, I, I got that bag. Um, no, I um, 
what do I do, man? I don't know what I do, really. I, I spend a lot of time in my car. I like to drive. I spend a lot of time in my car. I, I go visit my friends. I go to some recording studios. I do all the cliched shit you think I would do being a music fan living in LA. I like to trend, I like to move around. Um, I, if mm-hmm. I eat out, if I eat out or I eat out with friends or I eat out with artists, I am I telling you? Cause it fucking deserves the props. Okay. I, you know, I, all right. I, I eat a Matsuhisa at fucking places at rips. <laughs> Um, <laughs> You're at Giorgio Baldi you know, in Santa Monica. Awesome. Okay, I got it. I've only can... been I've only been twice to that, and and I, I realize I I would wouldn't be able to get there on my own terms because the two people who took me were way above my pay grade. Was it Jay? Was it Jay Z? <laughs> or was it Jay Z? Or was it Rihanna? You can just say one was, or two. It, it was neither, but you know, it, it okay. was, it, Both right. people have worked with both those people, so let's leave it at that. But um. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't know, man. I, I like living in LA is the truth. I really do like living in this city. Like, you know, having grown up in Auckland and, and loving my childhood there and my, and, and my life there in, at, at that point and then moving to London, which was so different. Like London was just couldn't have been more different to Auckland and, um, mm-hmm. and just falling in love with that in my th- sort of twenties and thirties and just kind of pub culture and, making some of the best friends of my life and and just kind of also sort of experiencing that british way of kind of handling of like of relating to people which is just so no bullshit like no it's just so Mm -hmm. no bullshit i mean the shit i used to get for just liking stuff (laughs) (laughs) why do you like stuff all the time can't you not like something you know so that was really awesome and and great and and but then moving to la in my 40s and with my family and starting this whole thing i love the city you know i i really do and i um i recognize it because there's a lot of similarities to me to my childhood and i like the fact that if we're halfway home and our kids are getting a taste of that of that life of being near the ocean and being able to skate around and it's just an outdoor place and um mm-hmm. i like that and so you know i'm the truth is as well, to answer your question, I, you will always find me in a record store when I have free, free time. So take your pick. Like, shouts to Paradise, you know, Super Vinyl, Meba, Record Parlor, like, Record Surplus. Like, mm. I, I'm always buying vinyl. Like, that's my thing. You, so you've got that's a listening right. room. You've got a listening room at the house, I, I I'm actually, I'm actually, I'm actually, I'm, I'm doing it now. I'm in the process of oh, doing really? it now. And yeah, it is. It's, um... It's it's a passion, man. It has to be because it ain't that shit ain't cheap. Boy, I tell you what, <laughs> vinyl got the last laugh, right? Hey, vinyl, you're dead. We'll see about that, huh? We'll see about that. We'll see. We'll see what you're willing to pay for it later on. <laughs> I mean, the fact that it's just no. I think it's. I think it has to do with the boom of merch <laughs> and the fact that like people really want to support artists and buying a forty dollar record that you're never going to open is is like a great way to support an artist. <laughs> well, you know, it's it's nice to hold something, man. And and I know where I am when yeah, I'm having true. this conversation. I, I appreciate the opportunity that I have to be in the streaming era. I wanted it. I love it. And I and I've never listened to more music um at any other time than, than than i am now like i the level of discoverability and the connection and the access to artists and the fact that it feels like you just are so close to the artistic process in the streaming era is felt by us and felt by fans right you feel it we all feel it like everyone's kind of much closer so i love that but i love holding something in my hand i love um i love when i put the needle on the record i love the fact that um i'm committing to the experience and i'm not it's i can't just move around it's a pain in the ass to move around so oh that's actually interesting i've never i've never thought about that i'm in for at least 20 minutes like even if i don't want to listen to side b i'm in for at least 20 minutes and so (laughs) so i I love it's it's slowed me down and i think i was at risk of kind of losing touch on why i fell in love with music in the first place which was it was a really sort of like 
con- conscientious distraction, a soulful distraction for me. And, mm-hmm. and I think that I was getting distracted from the distraction. So it's nice to just be able to kind of put a needle on and go, hey, whatever you do, this is kind of this has been decided. Sure. Kick the feet up, light a little California sativa. <laughs> really soak into that Eames chair. Zane's vinyl weighs a fucking ton, Jason. Who would have thought? Um, yeah, my vinyl weighs a ton, baby. You got it, Peanut Butter Wolf. We appreciate. Damn, no one ever thought I would make a Peanut Butter Wolf reference. Uh, but Zane, I loved it. We really appreciate you joining us here on How Long Gone today. What a treat. Uh, yeah, it really is to talk to one of the, the masters. Am I a returning guest? Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. When you got something to promote, you just let us know. <laughs> um, and and uh, no. and <laughs> Apple Apple Music. Uh, Apple Music, you're on every day. I mean, this guy's inescapable. Um, and if you, you know, if you're like me, <laughs> you have to make it sound so bad. <laughs> you want to go on, you want to go on YouTube and check out the the BBC Radio One clips to bring you back to your youth, like I do. Um, those are all available. Some of my best work. Some of his best work. <laughs> some of his best work. Um, but yeah, let's uh, let's uh, hit Giorgio Baldi soon. I'll do my best to get us a table. Yeah, thanks, man. Well, I mean, you know, it sounds like with your bag, you can. And Jason, great question. <laughs> <laughs> Well done. Well done. Wow. <laughs> uh, God damn it. All right. Thank you, Zane. We appreciate you, bro. Yeah, congrats on everything. That was really fun, and uh, I'm glad things are going so well for you guys. Take it easy. I'll speak to you, I guess. Bye.